Innovation needs investment so knowledge and ideas can be successfully identified, commercialised and exploited. Supporting economic growth and addressing societal challenges, including the transition to net zero. What is currently working well in the UK's finance for innovation system and how could it work better? Welcome to Insight for Impact, the podcast from SQW featuring conversations with experts on the issues that matter in economic and social development. Hello, welcome to Insight for Impact, the SQW podcast. I'm Joe Duggett, and I'm delighted to be joined today by my colleague, Osman Anwar. Osman is an economist specialising in innovation, business finance and enterprise development. He is one of SQW's main leads on innovation work and works widely in economic and policy research, evaluation and impact assessment. Osman, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Joe. You were uh, very persuasive of having me on. <laughs> um, today, we're going to be discussing finance for innovation, particularly the role of finance in supporting ambitious new startups and small businesses as they look to scale up and grow. Can we start by setting the scene here? What do we mean by innovation in this context? So there's different definitions for innovation, but fundamentally it's the successful exploitation of new ideas. So the government's new innovation strategy describes it as the creation and application of new knowledge to improve the world. Now, this includes new products, services, processes, or even business practices. And that often involves R&D, but also investment in training, acquisition of knowledge as well. But I also think it's about mindsets and attitudes and behaviours. For example, whether people are focused on continuous improvement and think outside of the box. Another way to look at innovation is to try to think of it in terms of some of its key features. So it's often described as being uh, gradual in process, so involving trial and error and experimentation and combining existing ideas and technologies to make new ones. It is also, I would say, a team um, and collaborative exercise. You know, the notion of the sole inventor is, is not the way innovation happens. It, it is a partnership. It is a collaboration. Is often also described as being serendipitous, so things that you wouldn't expect happening, so chance and unexpected events actually play a role in the innovation process. But fundamentally, it's really about the risk-taking, and failure is a part of the innovation process from which to learn and improve. So going back to the definition, when we say it's fundamentally the successful exploitation of ideas, I would also say it's about the unsuccessful uh, exploitation of ideas is for what you learn from that process that actually leads you to your success. So that ties in with the attitudes and behaviour point as well. You know, the mindset, failure and risk-taking is part of the game. So they say in Silicon Valley, you're not really an entrepreneur until your first two or three startups have failed and actually you've learned so much from, from that process. Exactly, yeah. You mentioned there the the UK government has recently launched an innovation strategy, and that reflects the policy profile and importance. Why is innovation seen as so important by government? And why does government feel the need to be so involved in the innovation landscape? That's a good question. I mean, essentially, innovation is important for economic growth and welfare, I would say. It drives entrepreneurs growing new companies, growing existing ones, 
It helps to develop better goods and services for consumers. It can also help firms to compete, including through exporting and international markets. But critically, it's about boosting productivity. In turn, that raises wages and potentially reducing costs to the consumer. Uh, another important area in which the government feels involved is to kind of generate positive spillovers. So innovations can lead to positive spillovers, whether that be in the form of knowledge or network or market-related benefits to suppliers, to consumers, competitors, and, and other organizations. And it's increasingly recognized as a key to addressing societal challenges, so notably around net zero or health as well. There is a long-term view that the UK is world-class on the generation of ideas of innovation, but less good on the exploitation part. And that includes challenges around adoption and diffusion of innovation. So the government needs to support and help the adoption and diffusion of innovation, I think. In this context, I think it would be useful to take a wider innovation systems perspective where there are various actors, including businesses, universities, institutions, the digital and physical infrastructure. Now, these different components are connected and interact through knowledge flows and networks. And the adoption and diffusion of innovation in that system is, is, is really critical. So if you look at the UK's global position innovation, as reported in the 2020 Global Innovation Index, the UK is ranked as the fourth most innovative economy. The UK does very well in areas like the quality of its scientific publication, where it's ranked first, and to a lesser extent on the quality of innovation, which is ranked sixth. But if you look at the firm's knowledge absorption capacity, it's ranked 27th overall. So clearly there's a need to improve. It's also worth highlighting, I think, the relationship between innovation and growth in that it's also reciprocal. So innovation can enable economic growth, but growth can also increase innovation through more investment and demand. A final point on this, I think, is uh, if you look at the latest data from the Longitude and Small Business Survey, which surveys 3,500 UK SMEs, the proportion that reporting product service innovation uh, in 2019 you know, was something like 30%. It was a bit lower than that in 2020. So this does suggest more could and needs to be done to help firms to innovate. Your point there around adoption and diffusion and how that's an area arguably where the UK doesn't perform as well, that's businesses taking up new innovations and putting them into practice in their, in their own business models. That highlights that the innovation process, as you said, happens in a, a system including various actors and different components. Clearly, money is a key part of that system. So can we move on to talk a bit about the role that finance plays in supporting those innovation processes and the different forms of finance that are important? Sure. Well, innovation requires investment so that knowledge and ideas can be successfully commercialised by innovators, entrepreneurs and businesses. But as finance can also be directed towards key societal challenges, as, as I mentioned earlier, around net zero. Now, this is through, say, financing of innovation missions or financing of technologies for so the seven technology families that are identified in the new innovation strategy, for example. There's also through, you know, the public-private investment through the 
uh, industrial strategy challenge funds, which focus on key themes of sustainability. As you know, Joe, we're evaluating a number of these ISCFs and they're addressing wider UK and global issues and financing, you know, in each of these ISCFs, there is a component for the private sector and the public sector to come together to finance businesses to address these wider issues. So I would say there's also then broadly three forms of finance. So we have grants uh, from government, there's debt finance, and there's equity. And grants remain important to support collaboration between businesses and researchers. And significant funding from Innovate UK, UKRI, for example, has gone into that. Smart R&D grants are also you know, one of the examples in which you know, that has taken place. Um, there is also then government is increasingly acting as a co-investor through equity, but government is also increasingly providing debt finance for innovation as distinct from debt finance to address cash flow, for example. Mm. Um, so some of the major schemes around this are the Innovation Loans Programme, the British Patient Capital, the Enterprise Capital Funds as well. There are sort of key players here that work alongside government and venture capitals and venture capitalists and business angels. So this is investment through, for example, Innovate UK, the British Business Bank, in some of the schemes I've just mentioned. Mm. Yeah. I think it's worth just briefly summarising some of the main sort of trends and characteristics of um, certainly business angel and venture capitals. You know, in relation to business angels, they're essentially, they invest their own money and they're sort of classified as smart money investment because they provide, you know, hands-on advice and support. And they're quite key for regional and local ecosystems, especially at the startup and early stages. Alongside the money that, that they invest, they do provide strategic support, acting as a sounding board, access to further investment rounds, but also specialist sector industry knowledge and operational advice. How business angels have evolved in sense, there's certainly more syndication and more networks of business angels coming together to make an investment rather than on their own. Now, the data, as we know, on business angels is always quite patchy because they do not publicly disclose all their deals. But research for the British Business Bank estimate the UK angel market is at around £2 billion per year. They tend to invest in certain sectors like healthcare, digital health, medtech, fintech, but also software as a service. I think the other point to recognise with angel investment are the tax incentives that encourage that investment, so specifically the enterprise investment scheme and the seed enterprise investment scheme uh, for higher risk and early stage startups and uh, small companies. They certainly help to encourage that investment. With regards to venture capital then, there was a record 8.8 billion equity investment in 2020. So that's just over 2,000 deals. And if we break this down by stage of company development, around 8% is seed stage, nearly 34% is in venture, and around 58% is in growth stage. So seed stage remains low compared to levels in 2018, again suggesting government support and intervention at that stage. And so this is data published by the British Business Bank. And I think a final point just to make on, on VCs then is around exits. Exits are mainly through trade sales, IPOs, MBOs, and even secondary sales. They're essential really for the wider equity ecosystem. 
And this also, I guess, partly applies to angels as well. So providing liquidity to investors and enabling that reinvestment into other funds and firms is part of the wider recycling in the system. So it's not just about the money, but that money coming back, being recycled, along with the knowledge and expertise that can only help in the economic development process. That's an excellent summary. Very succinctly put, of a very complicated system. Um, this might be an even harder question, actually, to answer. But what do we know about how effectively that overall finance for innovation system is working in the UK? Right. So that's a tough one, Joe. <laughs> Let me just recognise it's it's a complex picture. It's very evolving. Um, we've done a range of work in this area. We can offer some insights on this. But I think there's three broad areas I've got in mind here. I think there's certainly a role for complementary support, uh, along with the finance, is complementary support at different stages in firm development. I think that can be more effective than just money alone. Yeah? Yeah, yeah to make the money go further. So if money can be aligned to targeted business support in the innovation journey of the firm, I think that would be beneficial. But I think there is a role for um, further independent experienced advice, which goes alongside the, the investment as well, potentially improving the quality of the demand and helping businesses to grow. Certainly we know that in the early stages, there is a bit of a stop-go nature of early-stage funding. You know, entrepreneurs, most entrepreneurs only have 12 months runway to work with. Mm-hmm. And providing that critical support, especially at those stages, is helpful. I think the second broad area is really the role of finance in supporting adoption diffusion. As we touched upon earlier, it is a key element in the UK where we could improve. Now, finance plays a role in that, as we've just described, you know, encourages collaboration between businesses and the science and research base uh, and with the supply chain. But it can also then help with the knowledge and tech transfer from the more sort of so-called frontier firms to laggard firms who are not as innovative and productive. And in that process, there is something around finance in helping to improve the absorptive capacity of firms. And that can be through developing the organisational capabilities, investment in the skills and training, but also the networks. And then I think equity investors, uh, business angels, also look at the team in the company, the entrepreneur and the rest of the team first, and then the product or service. So there is that way in which it can develop the skills of those people as well and bring out not just their technical expertise, but as we know, they need other types of investment and market skills as well. And then a final thing I would say is about the other way that finance is working for an innovation system here in the UK. It's about societal challenges. So net zero and clean growth are a particular interest, obviously. In the UK, clean tech finance market is growing. There's a growing part of the UK investment market. Innovations in clean tech, especially at early stages, are high risk capital-intensive and acquire long-term investment. The problem is it's a bit of an unattractive risk-reward ratio for private investors, and that results in significant funding gaps. So the government needs to support the private sector to deliver the levels of funding for early-stage clean tech companies that can help to meet net-zero targets. 
So where can government co-finance improve the risk-reward balance and encourage earlier stage investment? So green finance, for example, is in that context as well. And that's particularly important if we think we're recording around COP26 and the importance and the challenge around addressing net zero, the role of financing new innovations in that space is absolutely is absolutely key. But as you've said, there are some particular challenges in making it seem to be in an investable, a strong investable proposition for the for the private sector. Exactly. Great. And finally, what would you offer as key actions or areas for policymakers and actors across the, the finance for innovation system to be thinking about to ensure that the system is effectively supporting businesses to scale up and grow? Right, so that is a tough one, but we can frame it up in a different way. So the investment game from our public sector perspective is about de-risking innovation opportunities for the private sector. So the question really is, to what extent should it do this? In answering that, just to take a basketball analogy, I'm not sure I've... uh, slam dunk on this but here's a three-pointer for you joe and and these can be broadly summarized as relating to conditionality alignment and balance in the finance and innovation system so let me explain the first point around uh, conditionality what i mean here is really the extent to which government can introduce conditions to the co-investment with private investors and on investment investee businesses themselves so this is to ensure that Alongside getting the financial returns, economic development outcomes are realised as well. Now, this is the classic double bottom line argument. So the investment has to generate social benefit. In short, it has to be more inclusive, taking into consideration where benefits occur and for whom. The second pointer is around alignment, which I touched on previously. So by this, I mean the finance should be more aligned or integrated with business support for SMEs to maximise the effectiveness of the money being provided. But a very important point is about improving financial management skills within SMEs and making them investment and market ready. Again, going back to the stop-go nature of early stage funding, where entrepreneurs don't have much of a runway. So projects pause and you have to complete the next funding round until you get projects started again. So overall, it's about raising the quality of demand. So money is directed to the most promising opportunities that will provide a return to the taxpayer financially and in terms of of social benefit. And then finally, the balance point. If we take a broader perspective, and I, I kind of agree with what was set out in the Global Innovation Index report when it said there should be complementarity and balance across the different areas of an innovation system. So a successful innovation system balances the forces that push knowledge creation, exploration and investments. So these are the innovation inputs with the forces that pull ideas and technologies towards application, exploitation impact, which are the innovation outputs. So those are my three broad areas. But I think the key takeaway for me would be it's how to improve the quality of demand. So we're investing in the most productive innovation opportunities and businesses. Well, thanks, Osman. That's a really interesting set of perspectives. Thanks, Joe. That's good. I'm Joe Duggett, Director of SQW, and I've been speaking to Osman Anwar, expert on business, finance and innovation. Thanks for listening. <laughs>
You've been listening to Insight for Impact, the podcast from SQW. To learn more about SQW, our people and our latest thinking, please visit our website at sqw.co.uk. And if you have any further feedback or thoughts on the podcast, or would like to suggest a topic for future episodes, please get in touch with us via LinkedIn and Twitter using the handle at SQW.